Agencies, 1.7% and YESS all on today's Fedna Babble. Welcome to today's Federal Battle, where we take your questions um, and explain the federal retirement benefits and make them understandable for humans in under 20 minutes. And we take these questions from the FedNababble.com website, where you can go and submit them, or from mm -hmm. the workshops I do. So let's jump into question number one. What happens with health insurance when I retire? Is there a uniform answer? or is it per agency? Cassie, what do you think? What happens with health insurance when I retire? Well, it depends on what you choose to do with your health insurance options. As always, <laughs> it depends, yes. There is no uniform answer because as long as somebody has met their five-year rule, they can continue to take it in retirement. And as long as you're not a postal employee, then the government's going to pay the same amount. The premiums stay the same. The only difference is you don't pay on a 26 pay period basis. You're paying per month. So it, it looks a little bit higher um, on a monthly basis as opposed to paying every two weeks. But I think that's to be expected. Um, but the, the cost amount that's covered with the government is the same. Uh, this is not a per agency thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the per agency thing is really, really interesting because almost, well, I'll, I'll say this, almost everything works the same for federal employees, no matter what agency you work for, until it doesn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And... And, yeah. and, and they're few and far between, but it does depend every now and then per agency. And and trying to nail those down when it does and when it doesn't, it can be pretty difficult. And so sometimes you don't know when it... So I would just say overall, assume that it's the same for everyone until you hear otherwise. And... That otherwise, unfortunately, most of the time won't come from HR because HR knows what that agency's HR does and assumes that it is the same for every agency. That that kind of information typically only comes from people like you and I, Cassie, who we work with people from all federal agencies and it doesn't matter what agency you come from. And then then you right. start noticing the differences and, oh... You know, you, it doesn't work like this for you, even though it works like that for everyone else or vice versa. Right. So you have to have something contrast to contrast it with. Yeah. I also think that working with financial professional who is um, seasoned yes. and vetted with working with federal employees, um, they are also going to know most exceptions. Um, like postal employees is a very common one where you know, their um, Fagley and FEHB are just different while working, but then it's not when they're not working. And so that's one example where um, it's a per agency basis, right? Because it's just yeah. the postal service. So it's not like, you know, my agency here in 
you know, Washington state or Seattle, Washington or whatever is different than the one in, um, you know, Norfolk, Virginia or something, right? Like the postal service is it's, it's just the agency of USPS. Yeah. Right. And that's most of those employees, right? right. All of the, uh, there are certain in postal employees that qualify for a different exception and they still have to pay the same as um, any regular FERS employee. And so, um, but any trusted advisor or any advisor really who has had um, uh, experience with federal employees and has been working with them for a while, they're going to know these um, certain exceptions that are common in their area. And I didn't turn off my phone. So just one <laughs> moment, somebody's calling. Um, well, I should say I did turn off one phone, but then I didn't turn down the other phone. <laughs> gotcha. How many phones do you have, Cassie? Just two. Personal and business. Yeah. And, Sorry, and so I will also say um, that's one of the things I love about your report is that you catch these things as well. And when you run the report, you'll throw those in and say, this is different than normal. Yep. This is not the same. Beware because you want to make sure that you're setting them up right for this situation. Absolutely. And it, this is, um, oh man, I'm looking at all of these different things. You know, if there are different types of employees, if there is CSRS offset, who's social security um, and, you know, social security, uh, whose social security and CSRS deductions are not being taken out properly. You know, if they've had option uh, C with vaguely for longer than they should have, or, you know, any of those different yeah. things, we're looking at those and we are getting that information back to the advisor to how, uh, on how to properly plan for those types of employees. Um, so that way they can, you know, go back to you guys and say, hey, check it out. This is what needs to be fixed. Here's how we can, you know, take care of that. And let's move forward with getting this benefit taken care of and, and you know, whatever needs to happen. So. Yep. Perfect. Good, good. Yeah. All right. Question two. I have a, I have one year under law enforcement. Will I get 1.7 for that year? My other years are under FERS. Now, when this person is talking about this, um, mm -hmm. it is the, it is the pension formula because for the first 20 years in the pension formula, they use instead of 1.0 or 1.1, they use 1.7. Yep. All special provision employees, firefighters, law enforcement, air traffic controllers, um, customs and border protection, they're a little bit different, but mm -hmm. um, for the most part, they are required to have 20 years in that special provision um, service to, in order to have the 1.7 factor. So the answer here, unfortunately, is no. Right. They will not get the 1.7 for that one year. They um, most of the time have to have um, 20 years of special provision in, uh, service in order to qualify for that 1.7 factor. CBPOs are different because they've only been considered law enforcement since July 6th of 2008. And so that's a little bit of a different story. They um, get an exception because obviously it hasn't even been 20 years. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, there's there's some other factors that go along with uh, the special provision employees as well. And so, you know, in this transition time, 
of, you know, going from the regular first system to law enforcement officers um, and being considered special provision employees. And then there's some different calculations there. But overall, though, if you worked just generally one year as a firefighter or one year as a law enforcement officer, or one year as air traffic controller, you're not getting that 1.7 factor right. for that time. Yeah, I remember meeting someone at one of our workshops, in-person workshops, and and, and <laughs> they got a little, I don't want, they got a little concerned, I'll say, because they had 19 years oh. as, as special provision, as a law enforcement. And, yeah. and you said, so are you, wait a minute. 19 years, that, that doesn't put me in my 20. Will I get 1.0, 1.7? I said, you'll get a 1.0. Oh. And he goes, oh, no. You, I have to get back in somehow for one year as law enforcement? I said, if you can, just one year in law, more, one more year in yeah. law enforcement, you're going to get a decent bump up to your pension. And yeah. so he had to go back and figure out how to make that happen. Oh, my goodness. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> so many people tough. don't realize they think, oh, well, maybe I had five years and I had 10 years or one year even, you know, and, yeah. and I'll still qualify for that um, higher pension factor. But that's simply not the case. No. Um, unless you've had a special waiver or something like that. I mean, like I said, there's always different exceptions for these types of things. But generally, the rule is you must have 20 years of special provision service in order to get that higher pension factor. So. Yeah, and going back to the concept of the last question, again, like you mentioned, CBPO, that's a little mm -hmm. di different. That agency, it's going to be treated differently. So again, like you said, for the most part, that's how it works, but there are exceptions as well. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Question number three, what is with this social security thing for the end of this year and the beginning of next? <laughs> I love oh, it. I mentioned this in one of my workshops and someone said, I said, you know what, you're going to have to, I said, here, here's real basics, but you're going to have, you know, talk to your financial uh, professional about this. And they just said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What, what is this? So Cassie, why don't you explain this a little bit? Okay. There's a lot of heat going on about this. Is there, I, I assume there would be. <laughs> Yes. This okay. Is not good. So let me just lay out what the program is before we get into all of the heat that's going on with it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but essentially, the president signed an act where Social Security will be deferred from September 1st to December 31st. Four months. Okay. Yeah, three, four months. Okay. Now it's only deferred. So that's 6.2% that normally comes out of your paycheck for Social Security or OASDI, um, you'll receive that in your paycheck, okay? But from January 1st until April, you'll pay double into Social Security. So rather than just having the 6.2 withdrawn, you'll have the 12.4 taken oh. out of your paycheck, okay? okay? Why this makes sense, I'm still trying to figure that out, but I don't apply government or I don't apply logic to government policy. Okay? <laughs> no, we, <Not> we, <laughs> we never try to do that here. So let me let me yeah. just kind of put this into numerical perspective if I could. 
from September 1st to December 31st for these September, October, November, December for these four months here, mm -hmm. federal employees have no way out of this, by the way, nope. this there will is no happen. Oh, if, if they make less than 40, no, 4,000 a month. Yeah. Is that right? 4,000 gross. Yes. Gross. However, okay. you have to think about all the pre-tax things that are taken out before uh -huh. the growth income is in effect, right? I mean, your um, TSP, uh, your health care, uh, yeah. right? And then 4,000. Um, and then is gotcha. the 4,000. So I was reading something uh, the other day where they had higher than anticipated federal employees in this program. Because of because they didn't of take into consideration to the preachbacks, right? However, USPS has decided not to <laughs> agency specific again. Agency specific, right? Right. Um, so you have, the employee themselves have no option to opt out, but apparently the whole agency as a whole can because ah. USPS has decided they're not going to do this. Okay. okay. Um, but then I was just reading something this morning and I, it was just barely brief overview as I had kids running in and that was saying there's something on that in the house or whatever about um, it possibly having an option to opt out or something. I don't know. Either way, there's a lot going on with this. Right. I cannot guarantee that it's going to last um, sure. because this just wasn't a well thought out plan. <laughs> no, no. And so again, let me, let me go back to numerical perspective here. Mm -hmm. From in August, they people are paid one amount in mm -hmm. September through December. They're going to see a 6.2 increase overall to their paycheck in December. They will see a, 12.4% reduction from what they were getting in December. From their pay. Absolutely. That's, yep. that's significant. And this is very significant. I mean, if you're having $200 taken out for social security. Yeah. Right. Then you're going to have $400 taken out. And then what about taxes? And so that was one of the things that was included in that thing that I was looking at. Uh, the article this morning was, well, what if employees have taxes to pay and things like that? Mm -hmm. Then that dips into to the amount that they have to save for tax season, right? Because that's around that same time. And so there's just a lot going on on, you know, um, the committees. And I know yeah. there's some people pulling to get this taken out um, because it's just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I'll do something for myself, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when I when when you first alerted me to this because I didn't know about it, and you told me about this, I was beside myself that there's no option to to get out of this for federal employees. Well, besides postal now, I guess. But wow, <laughs> wow, to be I I don't know if someone wants that, I think that's great. But mm -hmm. if if someone doesn't want it, which I would assume that most federal employees would not want that to happen because they're still working, no. right? Then now, and, and I will say, President Trump created this, and I'm assuming that 
OPM or whomever decided that the federal government workers were going to, this was going to happen to federal government workers. So President Trump made it a an option and whoever made this a reality just, I, I don't know who that is or, or what, right. I'm assuming it was at the OPM level, but wow, the things that they just yeah. make oh. happen. One thing I want to include too is if somebody separates during mm, the next uh -huh. Okay, if you are going to be retiring or separating from service and delaying your retirement or just walking away and taking a refund, whatever that looks like, if you separate from the federal government and you are subject to the Social Security deferral right. program, excuse me, where they are, you know, where you're receiving that extra money, you're still going to be responsible for the extra Social Security um, amounts that were deferred beginning of next year. Out of pocket. And, you know, out of pocket. I don't know what that looks like. There's not, um, they didn't explain how that was going to work out, whether they're going to take it out of, you know, if you get a second job or something, whether they're going to take it out of there or if um, right. they're going to build you, right? How does that work? Um, you know, it, it that's unclear. They just simply state that you'll still be responsible to make up for those deductions that weren't taken from your paycheck. So, you know what, we have, we have this episode slated for a little later. I think we might have to move this way up so that people get I, the information ASAP. Yes, I think this one is yeah. super important to get up and going because people need to understand exactly how this works, yeah. right? Um, if they are retiring, especially if they're retiring this year, mm -hmm. because then their annuity is not mm -hmm. going to start right away and they're going to be subject to those interim payments plus a 12.4% oh. whatever that was for security deductions. Oh. Right? Wow. This could seriously put somebody in a really bad financial spot um, that they might just want to delay retirement another, you know, four to six months just because they don't want to have to deal with that um, increase or receiving that bill if they don't have enough savings or what have you. And so this is something that really need to be, that really needs to be strategized with somebody who, um, you know, understands how to work the different financial buckets together. So that way, you know, somebody's yep. not really screwing themselves to be honest, the yep. first three months of retirement. Yep. And that's why, again, that's why we make these, uh, these reports available so that people, I mean, I don't want to say especially if you are retiring right now, because this could go for someone who just started their federal employee service as well to make sure they're on track. But boy, this can help those who are retiring really soon, especially by the end of the year, to make sure yeah. that they are on track. And so if anyone goes to fendababble.com and signs up, we will put you in touch with one of our one of the advisors on our trusted network that will reach out to you and Cassie will do the report and go through mm -hmm. it and make sure everything is good and then they'll then the advisor again will sit down with you and just make sure that you have the numbers that you thought you had um, that you. things like this because things like this don't show up on an HR report they're, right. this is out of the scope of that. But these are the mm -hmm. kind of things that you, you'll be able to see. So 
Go there to fednobabble.com. And if you want to ask a question, you can also go to fednobabble.com and submit that. And if we use your question, we will uh, give you some fednobabble paraphernalia, some <laughs> shirt or mask or so, I don't know, something like that. That'll be fun. Yes. And don't forget to like, subscribe, share with your coworkers. They need to understand how this all um, is going to work with them as well, because maybe they don't understand the Social Security Deferral Program either. So please, um, you know, whatever you can do to help make sure that other people get empowered and, uh, you know, get their questions answered as well. So great. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Take care and we'll see you next.